friends can affect your life in a good or bad way. That's why you need to pick your friends wisely. This message is the fourth in the series, Friends. The message is entitled, Your Friends Matter. Here is Pastor Dale Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets as we turn our attention to God's Word. One thing I do want to mention is we're getting started. Uh, in just a little less than a month, we are going to be hosting once again our annual pastors conference here at Church of the Redeemer. It's called United Pastors Network. And if you know of pastors that uh, would be blessed just by some days of fellowship and encouragement of being with other pastors and great instruction and teaching, uh, let me encourage you to be our ambassadors, to invite them to come and be a part of this. And all you need to do is to direct them to the website. It's unitedpastorsnetwork.com. All one word, all lowercase, unitedpastorsnetwork.com. And all the information about that is there. I think there's still early bird registration. I believe we're still in that. And so that's going to be uh, going away soon. So make sure you pass that word along for us and encourage pastors that you know uh, to be a part of this. We would love to have them, and it's always a great time together. We're involved in a series of messages entitled Friends. I want to talk today about how your friendships really matter, how they really do impact your life. I'll start with some quotes. I was reading recently, obviously have been reading in preparation for this series, and I ran across some quotes I thought were very powerful when it comes to describing the impact of friendships. Notice this from Booker T. Washington. Associate yourself with people of good quality, for it is better to be alone than in bad company. Anybody say amen to that, right? One person wrote, you become like the five people you spend the most time with. Isn't that scary? Okay. You become like the five people you spend the most time with. Another one wrote, you don't need a certain number of friends, just a number of friends you can be certain of. And the last one I'll mention to you today is, show me your friends and I will show you your future. Say that with me. Show me your friends, and I will show you your future. That's how serious friendships are. And today, my goal really is to try to help you think seriously and carefully about the people you invite into the inner circle of your life. Now, the inner circle of your life is different from the people you interact with just sort of casually or from time to time. There's this inner world of people you let inside your life in a way that allows for influence. They are able to influence your thinking, influence uh, your behavior, influence your attitudes. They influence you in some way. Just by them being there, it affects how you live your life. And it might be your closest friends, or it might be that circle around your closest friends. But we're talking about not just the casual acquaintances, but the inner circles of friendship in your life. And I want to share with you three things today I think will be helpful in understanding how to be wise and serious about those that get into your inner circle. First of all, very simple principle, but something we need to be reminded of is that your friends, the friends in your life will make you or they will break you. They'll make you or they'll break you. There's nothing other than your relationship with God that is more important to the success or failure of your life than your friendships. Nothing more important than that. And there are certain people that it is wise to allow into your inner circle and others that you would be wise to vigilantly keep away from the inner circle of your life. Because the impact of people very clearly described in Scripture. Let me give you a few verses that will show this impact of people. Proverbs 13, verse 20. 
Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So your wisdom is impacted by the wisdom or lack thereof of people that you associate with. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. That is, don't let the devil trick you. Don't be deceived. Bad company, that's the wrong kind of people, ruins good morals. I love that word ruins, not because of the negative aspect, but because of the descriptive aspect of it, that bad company will ruin your life. How many folks can you look at, maybe even yourself at some point, where your life has been ruined in some way? There's been an effect that has had long-term impact upon you because of the people around you. On a positive perspective, the Apostle Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 7, verse, verse number 6. But God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. Paul said, when I was in a tough place and I felt discouraged when God added the right person into my life, it brought comfort to me. Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. I will tell you, some people will make you duller and some people will make you sharper. The choice is to find the person that sharpens you. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 through 11, very important statements. He says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate. Notice that. Don't hang around with. Don't let them into your inner world. Not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Since that would, that would need, then you would need to go out of the world. Verse 11, but now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of a brother if he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. That is, don't let people like this into your inner world. Paul writes to Timothy, giving him some very clear words of instruction, but also really description of what's going on in his life in 2 Timothy 4, verses 9 through 14. Notice the power of people. Do your best to come to me soon, Paul says to Timothy. For Demas, that was another fellow worker with Paul. For Demas, in love with this present world, has, what's the word there? Deserted me. And gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark. By the way, Mark was the man that had deserted Paul uh, on the first missionary journey. But he says to Timothy, go get Mark and bring him with you. For he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. What I wanted you to see there are the names of all of the different people that had impact in Paul's life that he warned Timothy to be guarded against or to welcome into his world. The people in your inner world, in your inner circle of friends, will either strengthen you or weaken you. They will either lift you higher or pull you lower. They will either encourage you or discourage you. They will either build you up or tear you down, add to your life or subtract from your life. They will make your life easier or make your life harder. They will slow you down or speed you up. They will inspire you or infect you. They will remove burdens from your life or add burdens to your life. They will help you grow or leave you unchallenged and unchanged. That's the choice you and I have to make. Your friends matter. Where would David, the great king of Israel, had been without Samuel? 
without Jonathan? Where would Paul have been without Timothy? Where would Timothy have been without Paul? Where would Mark, this young man who blew it in his first ministry opportunity, where would he have been had not Peter come along and helped him out? Your friends make or break you. The second thing today in our message I want you to be reminded of is that your criteria for close friends need to be clear. Criteria. What, what are you using to judge or decide who will be friends in your life? Now, again, that's the closest inner circle. It's amazing how many friendships form without any kind of real thought or any kind of consideration about the consequences, the potential consequences of the friendship. But when you adopt a friend into your life, you get, what you're doing is very important. You're giving another person influence. That's really what a friend is. You're opening your life to someone that you're allowing now to influence you. And you have to make the choice. You have to have a set of criteria that you use to say, okay, this one I'm going to allow influence and this one I'm not. You have to make good conscious choices. And the best time to think about the kind of influences you want in your life is before you allow the influence into your life. Not afterwards, okay? So we ought to get wise about choosing our friends. We ought to be wise about choosing our buddies. We ought to be wise about who we're going to let into our world because I promise you they will form you and shape you. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. If you want to be a criminal, hang out with criminals. If you want to be angry, hang out with angry people. If you want to get in shape, hang out with people that go to the gym. If you want to be godly, hang out with the godly, right? If you want to get better at anything, hang out with people who are better than you at whatever it is you want to do. One of the things that I have done all throughout my life in ministry is I've always tried to find people who did things that I wanted to learn how to do in a way that was better than me. And I would find a way to get around people like that. Save up money sometimes and fly to a location just to spend a few hours with someone that did something better than I did in my life so that I could learn from them, so I could grow from them, so that they could be allowed influence and positive impact in my life. But you have to make conscientious choices about these kinds of things. Look again at what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. Do not be unequally yoked. Say that phrase with me. Unequally yoked. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? It was an idolatrous worshipped God. Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Here Paul says, be careful that you are not unequally yoked. Say that phrase with me again. Unequally yoked. To yoke up, I don't need to take a lot of time to describe that. It's, it's an agricultural term. It's a term that was used to describe animals that were hooked together for the purpose of plowing a field, accomplishing pulling a load. There's a yoke. There's a connection. And, of course, for a yoke to work, two people have to get or two animals have to get in harmony. They have to work together. You can't have one pulling this way and the other one pulling that way. Yokes are designed to give direction and harmony, forced unity, if you will, to an animal. And so you have to make a choice in life who you're going to yoke up with. You have to say, who 
Well, who will I get in a yoke with? Because all of us have to pull loads in life. All of us are going somewhere, and you're going to yoke up with someone along the journey. And the best way to choose who to be yoked up with is to know where you're going. Amen? If you don't know where you're going, you're gonna, you might yoke up with someone that's going somewhere you don't want to go. It's like sometimes if you're in a city that you're not familiar with and you get on the wrong subway, you get on the wrong bus, you end up somewhere you didn't really want to be because you had no idea where you were trying to go. You had no sense of direction. Well, it's true in life. And so you've got to say, where am I going? What are my goals? What do I want my life to be? And so if I were to hand you a sheet of paper today and to ask you to write down what kind of person do you want to be in the next five years? What kind of person do you want to be 10 years from now? And you were to take just a moment and really think about who you wanted to be, not what you want to be doing. That's a whole different story because who you are will determine what you do in life. And so the more, most important thing you and I will ever choose is who we are becoming, the character of our life. And so what are the goals for your character? What kind of person do you want to be? And then once you know the kind of person that you want to be, and then you say, who can I yoke up with? that will help me to move in that direction and that I can help them to move in that direction as well because it's a mutuality of assistance one to another. So I thought what I would do just for a moment today is give you the right goals for a Christian believer. You want to have some goals for your life? Right here in Psalm chapter 1, we find some of the goals. The first verse describes the things you shouldn't do, people you shouldn't be yoked up with. You'll never get where you want to be as a Christian if you're yoked up with folks like this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Let's stop there for a moment. He says, if you want to be blessed, how many of you would just shake your head this morning and say, I, I want to be blessed, right? I want to be blessed. And so if I want to be blessed, there are some people I should not yoke up with. The Bible says don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. That is, if you've got a problem in your life, don't go to people who don't know God trying to get an answer for your issues. They can't give you the answer you're looking for. They don't even understand the things of the Word of God or the Spirit of God. And so the Bible says don't run to the ungodly for advice. They're not going to be able to help you. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't stand in the path of sinners. That's a sinner is someone that is walking contrary to God. And that is a path they are on. So don't get on the same path these folks are on. That means don't go to where they go. Don't do what they do. Don't... Be be heading in the direction they're heading. And then it says, don't sit in the seat of the scornful. What are the scornful? The scornful are those that's got something, has something, they have something inside of them. They're already scornful in the way they look at the world. It's an attitude. It's a poisoned spirit. Scornful people have been oftentimes wounded and bruised on the inside and they haven't dealt with it the right way. And so they become cynical, angry, and frustrated and bitter. And again, like we talked about last weekend, they carry the chip on their shoulder. And so they've got this thing in them. And when you hang around with people who have a virus, don't be surprised when you catch it. Okay? If you hang around with someone who's infected, don't be surprised when you come away with the same infection. And so the scripture says, don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scornful. People who have something of an attitude inside of them that is angry and frustrated at God and others. But here's how we're to live. 
that is the person that's blessed, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in, in its season, bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Here's the key to a successful life. It's verse number two. Delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night and hang around with the people who do the same. Okay? Find people who are in love with the Word of God and make a decision to say, that, that, that's my tribe, okay? That's my group. Because I, they're going where I want to go. Because this is the pathway to blessing. Make a decision to say, my life is going to be a life that is based in the law, the truth of God's Word. Let the right people in. Keep the wrong people out. It's a choice you have to make. And sometimes it is hard to make that choice. So let me talk to you my third point and final point today about what do you do with people that may already be in your world that are unhealthy, that are not going where you're going in your spiritual life. They're not in love with the law of the Lord. They're not heading where you're going spiritually. So the third thing you want to write down is you have to address your unhealthy friendships because you may have some friendships in your life right now that you've allowed some people to get to your inner world that shouldn't be there. Okay? That if you could go back and redo it again, you would say, you know what? Those are folks that I probably should not have allowed to have so much influence in my life. So what do you do in situations like that? What do you do where you are unequally yoked with someone in your life right now? It might be an unbelieving spouse. Maybe when you married this person that you thought, you know what, I'm a Christian, they're not a Christian, I'll lead them to Christ. And it's been months or years or decades and they haven't come to faith in Christ and you're going one way in your relationship with God and they seem to be pulling against it. How do you deal with that? It might be an unbelieving or unethical business partnership that you've gotten yourself into. It might be just a buddy that you hang around with or a girlfriend you got in your life that you hang around with that are, they, they're having a bad influence upon you. When you get around them, they tend to pull you down rather than building you up. It could be anyone that you've unwisely given access to your life or influence over your life. So what do you do with the people in your world right now that are unhealthy for you? How do you deal with them? I'm going to give you nine biblical instructions very quickly in the next few moments here. Are you ready for them? They're on your notes, so why don't we all read them together, all of our campuses. Uh, let's start by reading the first one. Be an example of love, kindness, and integrity. The first thing you want to do is to, to be a loving example to them. You don't want to suddenly say, you are a jerk out of here, okay? No, you want to have this attitude of love and kindness and integrity because you need to earn the right to speak truth into their life. And the only way you can earn the right to speak truth into their life is by loving them, have an attitude of love. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 14 says, let all that you do be done in love. Second of all, in these relationships that are trying to pull you away from the goal of loving God and loving His Word, be confident in your beliefs and be confident in your convictions. Don't let anyone rob you of your faith and your moral convictions. It's not worth it. Don't let them do that to you. 
Stand firm and stand strong in what you know to be true. Because I promise you there will be pressures upon you to compromise what you believe. To begin to adjust your thinking to the ways of the world. But I would say be confident. Paul said I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. I like the old King James Version that says, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded. I want to tell you today that I know whom I believed in and I am persuaded. And you can't persuade me away from any confidence that this book is true. You can't change my mind about this, okay? There's some things you can't change my mind about. Because I know this book to be true. I'll tell you something else. You can't change my mind about the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You can't change my mind about that. You can't change my mind about the truth of God's commands in His Word. You can't change my mind about the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. I don't care what you say. I know that He's alive. You can't change my mind about certain things. And so in your relationships, no matter how many people will try to pull you in other directions, there needs to be something firm inside of you that says, I am persuaded. I'm convinced. Certain things you just don't want to change in your thinking. Why? Because you're living in the truth, okay? Why change truth for a lie? Thirdly, stay true to the promises and vows you've made. Explain what I mean by it. I'm going to talk specifically about marriage for a moment. What happens if you're married to an unbelieving spouse? That happens sometimes. And you're trying to serve God, and they don't want to serve God, and you're like, well, what should we do? Maybe we just get a divorce, okay? How do we deal with this? And the Bible has an answer for this. The Bible tells us how you deal when you have made the choice, unfortunately, many times, to engage with, to connect with, and marry an unbelieving spouse. But let me say something. If you're single, don't even go there, okay? Amen? Just don't even go there. It's not worth it, okay? It's, it's not worth it at all. Don't pretend to be a missionary dater, okay? Okay? I'm just going to date them and win them to Jesus, okay? I know they're not saved, and I know they don't live for God, but I'm going to change them. Yeah, right? Okay? No, you pray until they change, okay? You, you don't, don't go there. That's another message for another day. I'm not going to go there because I, I've got, uh, I don't have time, okay? 1 Corinthians 7, to the rest I say, I not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever, okay, so believing husband, unbelieving wife, and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. So, Somebody's gotten into a marriage where it was unwise, it was not the right, best pathway to take, but nevertheless, 
it's what it is. Or maybe someone comes to faith in Christ after they were married. And so suddenly now there's one believer in the home and, and, and an unbeliever in the home. And so it wasn't like that before they got married. Both of them didn't know God, but one of them meets Jesus now and, and they want to serve him, but they're still married to someone who's not willing to give their life to Christ. What do you do? Well, if you have a wife like that, what's, what's your, your, your approach? If they want to stay with you, you don't divorce. And if, on the other hand, a husband like that, you don't divorce. But notice now, verse 14, for the unbelieving husband is made holy. It doesn't mean they're perfected. It means they're, they have a holy influence in their life. Somebody's there to help them along, to understand what God is all about. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy or has a holy influence on their life because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they're holy. as They have a holy influence in their life. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Number four, the fourth thing. How do you deal with people in your world that are not going where you're going spiritually, but you've already allowed them in and have honest and loving conversations with them? I love Ephesians 4 verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is head into Christ. You know, along the journey with people that maybe you've allowed into your world that aren't going where you're going spiritually, they're in your inner world. I'm not talking about just the people you associate with. We all all ought to be associating with uh, people who need Jesus and telling them about Jesus. But I'm talking about the people you allow influence into your life. When those folks are there, you need to be looking for opportunities to share truth with them, but not in a club the Bible over their head mindset, okay, right? Anybody met a person like that before? Let me get the Bible and show you the love of God, okay, right, right? You met somebody like that before, okay, right? That's not what I'm talking about. But look for opportunities. See, God can give you those moments where you can plant a seed in their heart, where you can speak something to them, where you can appropriately share your faith and appropriately share your convictions and your perspective. But you have to be open to doing it. Number five, pray passionately. Pray for that person. Amen? You know why? Because prayer changes things. I'm going to say it again. Prayer changes things. You know the first thing that prayer changes? You. Okay? So often we pray, we're praying for God to change someone else. But in the context, God changes us and also changes other people. See, I promise you, the, the Saul of Tarsus, when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and eventually became the Apostle Paul, I am thoroughly convinced that Saul had a turnaround experience in his life because somebody was praying for him. See, God can take a Saul of Tarsus and make an Apostle Paul out of them. Amen? That means that there are people in your world that may be absolute rascals. I mean, uh, just absolutely bad dudes, okay? 
but Jesus can get a hold of them and they can be transformed. In fact, some of them are in the room right now. They met Jesus, right? You were a bad dude before you met Christ, but you came to know him and he turned your life around. Never forget that if any person's in Christ, there's a new, they are a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new and so pray. The Bible says in James 5, 16, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Number six, create healthy boundaries. Sometimes in these relationships, you're going to have to set some boundaries with people. You may have to say to them, you know, we've been doing this for a while. I've been going with you to this, but this is not influencing. So I'm going to have to set a boundary. I'm not going to go with you to that place anymore. We're not going to have these kind of conversations. It's just not what I want in my world. It's not where I'm going. And so you have to begin to set boundaries. A boundary is just simply a statement of where my convictions are compared to where somebody else may be in their life. It's not being mean. It's just setting a boundary. Good fences make good neighbors. And sometimes you just have to set a fence and say, I'm not going there. I know you're in my world, but I'm not going to do that with you any longer. Give you an example of this. A number of years back, uh, when I was in graduate school, I was working in an environment uh, <clears throat> where there were just a, a lot of guys that just didn't know the Lord. And I was one of the only, one of the only Christians. It was my, my boss was a Christian at that time. And there may have been another Christian in the office as well where I was working during that time. But around me, I was surrounded by people who just seemed like every other word was profanity. You ever been around folks like that before? I mean, I'm like, I wanted to buy him a dictionary just to give him options, okay? Like, okay, right? Did you know there are other words in the English language? Okay, I just want to make sure you, you kind of get informed here, okay? I mean, like every other word was profanity, and it wasn't just, you know, all profanity to me is just, it's just not a reason for it. You know, I just encourage you, you know, as a Christian believer, work on your speech, amen? Okay, just clean it up, okay? Just clean it up. There's no reason to use these words, Okay. And But the way they used profanity was in extremely derogatory ways toward God. And you know what I'm talking about. They, they used, often used the name of the Lord in vain. And when they would use the name of the Lord in vain, I don't know how you are, but when I hear that, it's just like, it just cuts me to the quick. It just goes down inside of me. I'm not mad. I'm hurt. Because why would you curse the name of the Lord? Why would you use Jesus' name? in a cursing form. And so it bothered me deeply. And, and as I was praying about it, I, I one day just had a conversation with, I can't, this was years ago, so I can't remember all the details, whether it was one or more of them. I know I've had at least one conversation with people like this. And so you know what? When you talk like that, when you use those derogatory, profane statements about God, I'm a Christian and it bothers me. And I know, you know, I can't make you change yours. But could I just ask you that when, you, when, we're, con when we're conversing together, would, it, would, would you mind just working on not using that with me? Okay. You know what I was doing in that moment? What was I doing? Creating a what? A boundary. In a nice way, I was letting them know, I don't want you stepping over this. Okay. And I was standing up for God. Now, God doesn't need me to defend him, okay? Amen? God can defend himself. So I wasn't like some righteous, I'm going to defend God. No. No, it's just hurt me. And so I'm just saying, you know, let's, let's don't go there. Can we do it? You know what I've discovered? That when you do stuff like that with people, generally speaking, they are respectful to you for it. Now, they're always 
There's always, you know, two out of ten that are just going to curse more now, okay? Because that's just who they are, okay? The vileness of their personality comes out. But I found that about eight, seven or eight out of ten are going to respect you. And so never be afraid to lovingly draw a boundary, okay? Very important. Very important. Lots of things in life. Number seven. Let go of your need to let, uh, let, go, let go when you need to let go. Sometimes you just have to say, you know what, we're, we're not, we're, we just need to, we need to transition this friendship. It's just not working as it did. We're not going the same direction. Proverbs 4, verse 14 and 15. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it. That means if you're on it, turn away from it and pass on. Other verses that you'll see there. And then the number eight, run when you need to run. Sometimes you're going to find yourself in situations that the best thing that you can do is run. Okay, Just run away. Run from anything the Bible says that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue or run after righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship, the friendship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. So run away from those who are leading you toward a lustful way of living. And then make the decision to hang out with people who call on the Lord out of the pure heart. Let me just say this as well. In terms of running... There are times that you will find yourself in situations with people that you didn't plan on, okay? It was not something you set up. It was not something you organized in your mind or connived to have set, but it just happens to you. An example of that is with Joseph. Joseph, in the Old Testament, found himself just doing his job, okay? He was doing his job in Potiphar's house, minding his own business, and a lady showed up, right? And this lady had a different agenda than Joseph did, correct? You know, people come to you at times with their own agendas, okay? And you don't always know what their agenda is, but she showed up, and it wasn't long before Joseph knew what her agenda was, okay? I mean, it didn't take a rocket scientist long to figure, I mean, do you have to figure this out? This, this is what's going on here. And so the Bible says she tried to seduce him, Right? Did Joseph plan on that happening? No. Was it in Joseph's mind to, to set this up? No. It was just something that in the moment happened. And you have to be on guard because there is a devil that is after you. There are demonic spirits that want to lead you into temptation. So these moments show up in your world. And we learn this lesson from Joseph. What did Joseph do whenever he found himself in a situation that was calling him to compromise? The Bible says that he did what? He ran from there. You find yourself in a situation like that, the best wisdom you will ever learn and get is to run away. The only thing I will add to that is always take your coat with you, okay? <laughs> Amen? Okay. Life would have been a little different for Joseph had he remembered his coat, okay? So sometimes you just have to run. Last point. We're just about done here. Replace wrong friends with the right ones. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Here's the good news. 
if you have to get rid of some people from your world because of their negative influence, there's some wonderful people that God can add to your world. Some wonderful people that God can add to your world. And I see something for your future today. What I see for your future is this. There's some new friends in your future. There's some friends, if you will yoke up with people who are, who are going where you're going, I promise you, you'll gain wisdom that you don't have and you'll gain impact that you never thought you would have in life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. We're so grateful for the word of God speaking to us. We ask you'll take this message, seal it deeply in our heart by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus name if you just prayed that prayer with me friend I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ and to do so you need some help you need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day we'd like to provide for you in fact we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website church-redeemer.org that will help you to get a good start your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you. 